what we need are lawyers who can listen, who can connect, and then powerfully represent. Hello, and welcome once again to Jumping Off the Ivory Tower with Prof. Julie Mack. My name is Dana Cornwall, and I'm the project manager at the National Self-Represented Litigants Project. And I'm Julie McFarlane, the director of the National Self-Represented Litigants Project. And I'm going to start off this episode and asking you once again, if you haven't done so already, to consider going over to iTunes and leaving us a hopefully positive uh, review and maybe a rating, because that would really help bump bump us up uh, on the track. Are I the guess. prizes, Dana? <laughs> oh, we haven't discussed that. Maybe we'll have to discuss that. I, I think that. that's bribery and corruption, actually. It might be. Yeah, that might not be good. But hey, people, if you, if you like our show, please leave us a nice review and then more people will get to see it. And then another little bit of uh, housekeeping information. Um, I'm sure if you listened to our last episode, you heard the wonderful Katie Pfaff do In Other News at the end. Uh, we're really excited that Katie, uh, who is one of our wonderful research assistants at the project, has uh, been helping us out and taking on some of the other news hosting responsibilities. And you're going to hear her again in today's episode. So please do stay tuned through the entire episode to hear all of her really interesting other news bits for this week. And this week's episode really is kind of a family affair because my guest on the podcast today is Nikki McAllister, who is the sister of Moya McAllister, mm-hmm. our very own Moya McAllister, communications manager of the project. And I met Nikki through Moya, and initially because I recruited her to come and talk to my class uh, last semester, I ran a class at Windsor Law called Clients. Uh, and Nikki came and talked about her client experience. And in particular, we were focusing on uh, what are the experience of black and racialized clients in that class. And she was phenomenal. So I went back to Nikki afterwards and said, would you be willing to record something along the same lines for the podcast? So just to fill in a little background on Nikki, she works for the Daily Bread Food Bank in Toronto, where she's the community engagement coordinator, which means she liaises between Daily Bread and member agencies in North Toronto, York, and Tobacco. And she provides training on food distribution and generally building the engagement of community agencies with the food bank. Uh, incredibly important work at the moment. And I I just want to read you this quote that I saw that Nikki gave uh, on the Facebook page for the Daily Bread Food Bank when she said her favorite part of the job was meeting people all over the city, the city of Toronto, that feel as strongly as I do about addressing the needs of our community members experiencing poverty and collaborating with others who are fighting to make changes in our city so people can access food and affordable housing. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of what Nikki does and what her motivations are. But in this interview that we're about to play with you, she describes what it was like, and this is a while ago now, this is going on 10 years ago, to go to a lawyer for the very first time and sit with a lawyer who was being retained to represent her in a family law matter and how completely different that experience was from her original expectations and some of the things 
that made it a really hard experience, especially for somebody coming from her cultural background. So Nikki, thank you so much for being willing to talk to me today. I know you're going to give us some important insights about your experience of using the legal system and in particular working with lawyers. And I wonder if you could begin just by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family background and anything else, you know, that you want to share uh, by means of an introduction to what this legal matter was that you were looking for assistance from a lawyer with. Oh, sure. Uh, thanks for having me, Julian. Yes, of course. Uh, uh, let's see. I was born here in Canada. My family came from Trinidad and Tobago. I am currently working for a food bank here in Toronto. and uh, Daily Bread, uh, right? Daily Bread Food Bank. Yay, That's Daily right. Bread. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And my job as a community engagement coordinator has me out and about in the city uh, trying to assist as many different programs as possible in providing food support to their community, their local community members. My experience with the legal system has come out of family law, family law practice. And when my daughter was born and her father and I were never married, but we did live together for a time and then separated uh, when my daughter was quite young. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just trying to navigate that system has been definitely surprising. Not, yes. not uh, uh, what I thought it would be when I first had to use the legal services, definitely a steep learning curve. So Hopefully you were looking anything. for some yeah. kind of assistance with, I think, making a, a parenting plan, basically, it, it, you know, for raising your daughter with her biological father involved. I know that there were, you know, some differences in the ways that you and her biological father had grown up and, and your family cultures were very different. Could, if Maybe you could just mm. explain that a little bit. Yes, people listening. Indeed. So his background, uh, he came from a family that's, uh, in my eyes, fairly wealthy, very strong support system with, uh, with his parents and the rest of his family members, just well connected and understanding, I guess, of how the legal system works and, and the resources to be able to you know, get the help that they needed. Right. So it felt a little unequal from the beginning in that way, I think. Yes, definitely. As I, I did not come from that background Similar or experiences background. exactly exactly and never had to use legal services before um I have to say so my whatever was in my mind about it I thought okay well they're here to you know help me to to represent me to take whatever I say and turn it into something that is meaningful for a judge to be able to understand so that fair and equal sort of understanding of the situation. And then, as he said, some sort of parenting plan or, or access plan or whatever could develop out of the things that we are both saying, right? Something, right. something right. like that. <laughs> but you needed, you needed, I think, from what you told me, you know, some assistance in trying to figure out how you could meet some of his family's interests because their, their cultural tradition is, is Jewish. Mm -hmm. And your cultural traditions are very different, but also yeah. very important. 
And so obviously, you know, for any co-parents or anybody trying to share any degree of parenting with those very different backgrounds, that's going to be complicated. And so from what you, you've described to me, Nikki, when you went to see the first lawyer that you worked with in Toronto, you, were, you had some expectations that they would be interested in and aware of the importance of these cultural differences between the two families and how you were going to work them out. But your description of what that experience was like was, it was pretty alienating. And that wasn't because this was an, a lawyer who didn't have technical competence, but rather that they didn't seem to be really aware or interested in you as an individual with your unique experiences and your unique culture. You, mm -hmm. you told me that this lawyer really just didn't seem interested in that part of you at all. So could, could you say a little bit more about that and how that, that made you feel going through mm -hmm. that experience? Yes, there's a, like a, number, a number of, I guess, a feeling of disconnection between me and my, and my lawyer when it came to how we would perceive or understand a situation and the importance that we each would have placed upon the, those, those situations, right? So things that came out of the racial differences between myself and my, right. uh, my ex-partner, right? So some of the things that I would say to that would be meaningful or give weight to why this was a, a difficult situation, mm -hmm. you wouldn't really understand or, or, or get that piece or, mm -hmm. or the class difference between myself and, and my ex and their parents and mine, you know, language differences, cultural, all of those, those very, very powerful and meaningful differences to me were not understood or seen in, as valuable to the discussion that we were having with regards to access and uh, parenting plans right. and all that sort of stuff, right? Right, um, right. So and, he was very focused on the legal technicalities. Yes, correct. Rather than very. understanding that kind of context that you want yes. to set this in. So Nikki, can you say, like, what sort of things would you have liked this lawyer to do? And obviously we're not naming the lawyer, mm. but what would you have liked him to do that he didn't and what would have helped you to feel better understood yes it, it would have been great if he'd asked more questions about mm -hmm. you know why i placed value on something um maybe just if there was part of the school and the education system for lawyers to have a little bit more information or 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 learning about people from different cultures and, mm -hmm. and where they might have, you know, what their experiences have been in order to get to where we are right now, to take into context when, especially when you have uh, families that are from different cultural backgrounds, right. because it is very difficult to try and, and explain that to someone I, like, I, I don't, we never said it, but my lawyer is white and I am not. So yeah. to try and, and explain that to him felt very difficult because we were already yes. talking about a very difficult situation. Yes. And then to have him not understand just sort of made things even feel even more of a disconnect in how yes. is he going to represent me in front of a judge and in front of my ex when yeah. he doesn't at all understand where I'm coming from. Right. It was, right. it's a very just, you know, strange and, and disheartening feeling actually. Was he not even curious that here is this black woman and this white guy and, you know, he has a very important religious 
tradition that is not the same as yours. Did he, was he not even curious about what would be important for you, his client, in the raising of your of your daughter? Um, I I don't know if I would say that there was a curiosity there. I think there was a there was an attempt to try, but because his his um, experience and his background more closely matched that of my ex, that he didn't really. He couldn't really see what I was right. was saying, right? right? Like so, I mean, this it. sounds a bit rude, but I mean, was it kind of like he was assuming that you'd be just like a white person? Yes. I mean, I know yes. that's a bit of a crass way to put this, but that seems to be what. Yeah, he thought there was nothing new to find out, kind of thing. Exactly. Like, and perhaps maybe I mean, I I don't know the the full the full, you know how he viewed me but definitely perhaps the way that I spoke the way you know my level of education the job that I have right now all of these things might have led him to think that I was very similar in mm. him like and how he was brought up or in very similar to how my ex was brought up but that's not the case because these are things yeah right like right. these are things that I have learned seeing as I was born here in Canada how how do I interact? How do I make my way in this world? How do I find a job? Like things right. that I've learned to be able to, you know, make my way into this life, but my background, my experiences are extremely different. Um, and so be, to be able to, to identify with that piece, I think was, is difficult, right? It's difficult for him. And, okay. and how did you feel that that would affect his representation of you. I mean, again, you know, I want to be clear, you, you didn't feel like there was any technical issue with his knowledge, but mm -hmm. how did that make you feel in terms of him being your advocate and, and being able to be effective on yeah. your behalf? Um, I definitely didn't, like, I, I think the level of trust was, was lower, right? Just because I didn't feel as though he fully understood where I was coming from. And therefore mm -hmm. some of the advice that he would, would give me, whereas with, you know, others that would have been fine. But with me, I was like, but did you, but this is what I'm trying to tell you. And I don't like the disconnect just didn't seem like it was getting across, which just then made me think, well, uh, I guess, you know, I just have to go along with what he's saying because I don't know how else to explain the, the difference, to explain that level of, of, of conflict that was happening between myself and, and my ex. And, and, and how are we supposed to move forward with our child when we're not together and not fully understanding and he has no sort of experience to be able to say, okay, we'll take this into consideration and that's what we're going to focus on because these are the values that you, right. you know, that you right. are, are, you know, holding strong and to represent that. So right. it was, so he couldn't really speak to your values in that way. So can you give us an, an example of one of the, the things that he didn't really understand that would be important to you that, you know, wouldn't necessarily have been important to him from his perspective? I mean, the one that's kind of sticking out for me most right now, maybe a bit more around education, like my, I, I went to university, I went to teacher's college, I've had like uh, practicum placements, by all intents and purposes, I have a teaching degree and I have experience in the classroom, although I am not currently teaching. Right. Um, but from the other family, from my ex's family's perspective you know going to a school in a you know in 
their neighborhood, which is you know, much wealthier than my own, and their values placed in education was much more important than the values that I have around education and, and the education system and what I've learned about it and what I've how I felt about like public school versus right. private or, or these kinds of things. Plus also knowing that I went to school uh, and being like the only black person in my entire grade out of right. school and just thinking I would like to have a different experience for my daughter around right. that. So he wouldn't, he just didn't understand that piece at all and very oh, much right. sided with the other other lawyers and with my ex's family around but don't you want your child to go to the this, best the, right. yeah exactly right. and i was right. like but you I, wanted an experience in which she would not be the only black kid yes that. right yeah. that was very important to yeah. me because yeah. i understood that experience i had it myself but yeah. that didn't at all get like any sort of weight it at all. It, it was didn't brushed. translate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. a great example. So, so Nikki, I know that the second lawyer that you saw was was a black woman um, lawyer, mm -hmm. and I know that went very differently. So, would you talk a little bit about why that was different and how that was different for you? Yes. Uh, so when I was able to see her, she she listened to what I had to say and nodded and just gave me that, that just the, the whole body language and un, of understanding of, I, I hear you and I understand where you're coming from. And just that just made me able to relax and speak mm. more freely. To so she learned more about you because she was willing to listen. Yes, she was yeah. willing to listen. She asked questions about, oh, well, how does that make you feel? Or, or why, why is that important? Like she asked those questions mm -hmm. as well, but she also, she also had that level of, you know, like she had either her own experiences with, you know, obviously the black community and, and black experience, right? but she had also done some research on that as well, right? Like she, she'd taken time to maybe learn a little bit more about uh, um, what families are going through uh, mm -hmm. and, and just those connections with family law and talking to me. It just, I just felt more comfortable saying to her all of my fears and right. thoughts. Right. And she was able to put some at rest and tell me which ones were, you know, these are the air avenues that I could go. Like she was very, very professional, but also really heard heard what I said yeah. and laid it out very logically for me what my choices were and it right. was it was wonderful and yeah. it worked a lot better which absolutely I'm really really happy about for you and for your daughter yeah. so but there are lawyers who listen who are racialized and there are lawyers who listen who are white and there are lawyers who listen who are Jewish, and then there are lawyers who don't listen, who are racialized and white and, you know, Muslim. And I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it's not that black lawyers have the monopoly on listening. So does this mean that for you as a black client, that it's always going to be preferable for you to find someone from your own community to represent you, Nikki? Or is it a matter of lawyers doing something different more generally yeah. in their approach I mean you know the bottom line is do black clients always need black lawyers right uh, I I don't think that black 
clients always need black lawyers because I, I mean, one, I, in the society that we live in and there wouldn't and the be event, enough. there's just not enough, <laughs> it is not enough, right. but also, I mean, in talking with other people, other professions, you know, and I'm sure I will speak with other lawyers at some point in time, it is a, it's a learned thing that we can be able to, you know, there's, there's different ways on how do you listen, you know, yeah. how do you hear what people are saying, how do you make those connections, um, and, I don't know what the right word is if it's to empathize with it or see the connections between you know what they're saying and and how they would want to be represented in court like just making those types of connections and relaying back with that person okay so is this what I'm hearing from you checking. Or is this, yeah yeah checking in to sort of see because it is a very important thing to have that trust here's this person who's bearing their their hurt and their pain exactly. and their story yeah. with you with the hopes that you'll be able to help them yes. find some form of understanding or level of of okayness with how yes. to move forward right yes. Yes. Um, and it's a very difficult thing to do yep. so I really believe that lawyers need to have that skill set and I think that you know your experience shows very well that you know the best technical lawyer in the world is still not necessarily going to be the right person to represent an individual if it's you know if they don't understand this you know and a family matter like this is of course a really classic example of just how critically important this is for somebody and how high the stakes are yes so in future nikki if somebody came to you a friend of yours in the community and they asked you for tips on how should they find the right lawyer for them what would you say from your experience you would advise them to do? I think it's a good idea to almost almost like how, you know, you you have this idea that you're going to trust how your lawyer is going to represent you. Well, you have to also want that lawyer, you know, you want to be able to have that lawyer. I don't know, like it's it's almost like like an interview for the lawyer, right? Like, right. go go in with questions. Go yeah, in go interview with, people. Right. Yes, absolutely. Right. You, you want to have a, an idea of, of what is their level of understanding for what your situation is and not, of course, you know, with the, the legal understanding, but also with the, are, are they asking you questions about why things are important to you or mm. how, you know, how, uh, how the situation affected you, what are, what are your feelings around, you know, all the, like those kinds of things that will give them more information for right. how they're going to represent you. Right. If right. they're not asking those questions and they're really sort of just like, just looking at the technical sides yeah. of things, well, yeah. maybe they're not the right Maybe one. you need to go and interview somebody else. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for telling me this story. I mean, I know that it's a story that in part at least is, is a hard story, although I know that your daughter is doing extremely well and uh, things are good, but I think that what you've shared today is going to be helpful for a lot of people, so thank you. Thank you very much. It was wonderful to talk with you, Julie. Thanks for having me here today. One of the first things that struck me about, about what Nikki talked about with you was when she said of her 
first lawyer, the male lawyer that she had, how can he represent me when he doesn't understand where I'm coming from? And just his, his obvious lack of curiosity about who she is, which, yeah, you would hope that somebody who you're paying to be your advocate would have some interest in yep. your perspective and, and what your priorities are and where you're coming from. And, uh, you know, as he's, as she said, he was a lot more concerned about legal technicalities and just really uninterested in, in kind of who she was or where she comes from as a person. And, and then as she also talked about, he assumed that she was like himself because she is an educated, well-educated, he, he just did not, he had no concept of or understanding of the ways in which she has learned and adapted to get along yeah. in white yeah. culture. Yeah. And he had no idea all of the things going on below the surface or, or of the fact, because he never asked, that her childhood growing up, her, her family experience is so very different from his. Yeah. And as she said, really, his experience aligned a lot more with that of her X. And so his kind of his priorities, I guess, were more along those lines. And she gave the great example of when they were discussing her child's uh, schooling, that he just didn't get why she wouldn't want her kid to go to a private school mm-hmm. and had no concept of the fact that that Nikki might want her black kid to not be the only black kid in a in a school that had kids whose experience was so very different. Right. And it just, it really betrays this, you know, coming back again to the idea that he was so uncurious about who she is. Right. And it was so interesting having Nikki, I mentioned at the beginning, talk to my students. And, you know, and I have to say that what she said was completely consistent with many of the lawyers I had as guests. And I picked them specifically for this reason, because... It's so important, and even more in a family law case, but really in any case whatsoever, a a good lawyer will tell you that what they need is to understand the client's background. And, you know, I could could bring you corporate commercial lawyers who would say exactly the same thing, because Mm -hmm. even if you're dealing with an institution or a corporation, there's still a person. Mm -hmm. And really good lawyers are not the people that I think we often convey to law students, you know, is the model of efficiency. They're not interested in what they think is irrelevant information. Mm. They just write everything down. They don't make any eye contact. They don't ask questions. You know, one of the points that Nikki makes so well is that finding out about a client, really trying to get into their head and understand what makes them tick and what's important to them, isn't just about being nice. Yeah. It's about being able to represent somebody competently, effectively. And unless you have really done your homework, then you're going to miss things that are important to the client. You're going to perhaps argue for things that aren't important to them in the same way because you're making an assumption. And really the whole effectiveness of that relationship is based upon the lawyer really understanding and getting to know the client. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because it relates, again, you, you asked Nikki pretty bluntly about, um, you know, okay, so does this mean or do you think that um, lawyers and clients ought to be from the same community? And Nikki's response was so great, and it's actually kind of well illustrated by her experience with her second lawyer, because even though her second lawyer was 
as Nikki is a black woman, she, she didn't rest on that. She actually took the time to be curious about Nikki and ask her specifically, what are your priorities? What is your experience? What are your goals here? Um, And that just illustrates that as Nikki said, no, it's not about lawyers and clients having to be from the same communities. It's about, it's about listening and asking questions and finding a connection. And, you know, one of the things that she said towards the end just really kind of spoke to me, <sighs> this, this idea of, of trying to get lawyers to understand what it's like to be a client and saying, you know, this person is bearing their soul to you, mm-hmm. hoping that you can help them. It's a really difficult thing to do, to be that vulnerable with anybody at a crisis point in your life. And a lawyer needs to remember that and be able to empathize and not kind of, yeah, just focus on the technicalities and just, you know, kind of take a bunch of notes and then rush off and be efficient. Or as uh, one client put it to me so memorably in a research study years ago, lawyers are not just brains on a stick. Welcome back to In Other News. My name is Katie Paff, and I will be your news correspondent on this episode of Jumping Off the Ivory Tower. For any new listeners, this segment is all about summarizing news stories in the world of access to justice. Our news stories for this segment center around meaningful representation and equity to improve access to justice on the systemic level. Here are your news stories. For our first news story, Global Citizen has announced its recovery plan for the world that aims to mobilize $250 million to support organizations advocating for global justice and human rights. This is in line with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals that plans to eliminate and end extreme poverty by 2030. However, COVID-19 has had other plans. Even before COVID-19, there was a lack of equity. Marginalized communities are the most vulnerable and during the pandemic has not been an exception. The toll has been the greatest on women, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, LGBTQ plus people, people with disabilities, and those living in poverty. Prior to COVID-19, 5 billion people worldwide lacked access to justice. Such barriers prevented them from participating fully in their societies and puts them at risk of further marginalization. Global Citizen notes that everyone has a role to play, governments, corporations, philanthropists, activists, and everyday people. Their website notes ways to get involved, so click the link to this article in the episode description so you can take action. For a second news story, Ontario has introduced the Accelerating Access to Justice Act 2021. The act hopes to continue to modernize the legal system in response to COVID-19. The proposed legislation seeks to eliminate barriers in Ontario's courts and tribunals, as well as in the state law, family law and child protection sectors, and to promote access to justice, especially for rural, northern, indigenous, and francophone communities. The overall goal is to help expedite and reduce delays for litigants waiting to appear in court and to reduce costs. Another proposed change includes making the virtual witnessing of wills and powers of attorney permanent so individuals do not need to travel to access service. Attorney General Doug Downey shared that there's just so much to do and it's been neglected for so long. He notes that they are far from being done and there's more work to do on innovating the justice system in Ontario to best suit the individuals accessing it. That's it for this episode of Jumping Off the Ivory Tower. Join us next episode for another thought-provoking conversation.